Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Through the Keyhole, an OU fan podcast. Uh, I am Peyton Guthrie, your host today, oh, co-host, brought to you, uh, as always, with Alan Kenny, uh, sponsored, powered, brewed by Vanessa House. You guys would have heard their ad on the top. Uh, we appreciate it anytime you stop by uh, the Vanessa House Brewery in, on Automobile Alley in Oklahoma City. Uh, great place to be, great place to enjoy yourself. And as always, we have our Sunday game recap, as long as it's a home game, there at Vanessa House. So this weekend, this Sunday, uh, myself and Matt will, more, uh, will be at Vanessa House uh, with Alan calling in uh, as well. We bring the mic, we let you talk, uh, let you uh, get, get your thoughts of the game as well. So come out, enjoy, get a cheap beer, have some fun, uh, play GameCube while we're talking nonsense before, you, before I call you up for the mic. Uh, enjoy yourself. With that being said, Alan, how are you doing on your side of it? What, uh, uh, yeah, just how how you do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I'm good, you know. Uh, also, you know, I, I feel like we should always throw this in there, too, that we've got a Patreon that you should subscribe to, uh, patreon.com slash through the keyhole, only $4 a month. So yeah. now that we've got that part out of the way, uh, yeah, no, I'm doing fine, man. Um, just, you know, uh, ready for another game. I was uh, pretty happy with how you played, I thought, over the weekend. So uh, ready to rock. Yeah, it feels kind of we're in that part of the season where recruiting's kind of simmering, but nothing's really popping off. You know, OU's is kind of handling its business. There's not really a lot of drama going on. You know, we don't have a, uh, you know, a, a, the pole assassin story isn't kind of going mm. crazy. Oh, OU doesn't have to deal with any sort of crazy stuff like that. Now, now obviously the offseason for OU was kind of all over the place, but it just seems kind of things are in a little bit in cruise control uh, on that side of it. Um, and we have the ability to kind of talk, maybe talk a little bit more hypotheticals or maybe some more uh, antithetical uh, type situations. It's about Oklahoma, uh, Big 12 and, and college football at large. And if you guys want to hear more of that, as Alan said, it's just four bucks a month. That's half of what Elon Musk is going to charge you to get a blue check. I mean, it's not that bad at the end of the day. <laughs> you guys can uh, cheer us on. Uh, a slight recap of the Iowa State game. Oh, you handled his business. It did it pretty well. It ran the ball on a very strong defense. Uh, what is considered, according to, um, let me see here. Oh, no. Uh, Beta Rank, as at the moment after the OU game, the defense of Iowa State is now sitting at fifth overall. <laughs> mm. uh, and then uh, right above them, Kansas State at fourth overall. So OU are playing the, the two strongest defenses um, in the Big 12. And Played pretty well. I mean, obviously lost the Kansas State game, but that was game down to the wire. A couple of plays made by the OU's defense, and that changes. And then OU kind of was able to move the ball, not necessarily at will, but within a, a, a good moment of speed there. Um, just watching the game, it kind of looked like just OU kind of straight up handled its business. I've had some friends come to me say, if Mims catches a couple balls, that's a, a quote-unquote dominant victory by OU. Um, do you kind of echo those sentiments of watching back, maybe thinking about that game? Do you think OU should be, I don't know how much credit you can give to an unranked team, but should OU be getting credit for kind of handling Iowa State? Or is this a closer game than maybe what the ending uh, results look like? Good question. Um, I mean, to me, 
having watched, you know, what I've seen from Iowa State this year, I mean, they just they have that a knack for making teams play the game that they want to play. Uh, that's kind of what I saw out of OU over the weekend too. Um, and in that respect, I mean, you know, OU didn't, OU didn't make the mistakes that might have hurt them against a team like Iowa State, and uh, you know, just played fairly solid ball um, overall. I, I I felt like it was a pretty solid win, especially going on the road. Um, it, you know, Ames can be kind of tough. Um, so no, all in all, I think. I don't know. I think OU has a lot to be uh, happy about with how they played personally. Yeah, I, I think the same thing there. I mean, especially as a fan, you should you should feel happy OU won. Uh, it's it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to hard to think about that at this point in time. I do have some quibbles. Obviously, the passing game you know that has to get mm-hmm. shaken out. We've got to get OU's guys said we OU has to kind of get that part somewhat figured out. Now I think they're finding stuff as Farouk is starting to emerge as the clear number two. Uh, uh, in in the wide receiver core, which is only going to help Mims along the line, because I mean, of the remaining guys, I mean, Fruits the only one who's got some juice to him. I mean, everyone mm-hmm. else is, you know, Weiss is a possession guy. You know, Stoops is going to get you five to six yards. I mean, they needed someone else who can move and wiggle, and that seems to be Farouk after what nine nine weeks into this season, um, have finally mm-hmm. finally started to, to 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 break out. Do you think his emergence, Farouk's emergence? "Quote unquote emergence." He has twenty catches. Uh, it, it will help, kind of help this offense kind of get out of this like second gear. It seems to be stuck in as they're trying to potentially force feed or defenses are now seeing that hey, it, they're just going to throw it to Mims. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You think that's helping yeah. out? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Mims was their most reliable guy, and it wasn't like Farouk wasn't reliable. I mean, I think he's been solid, you know, all season. Uh, what we ended up seeing was, um, I think Farouk, you know, more get just getting more involved. Maybe Gabriel getting more comfortable also with looking there, and also Jeff will be realizing that he's got a weapon there uh, in terms of a guy who can make stuff happen on the run. Um, you know, they're also if you if you pay attention to, they're also you know working ways to get him you know jet sweeps or you know occasionally even line him up in the backfield. Um, so, you know, I, I think he's turned into a, a real nice weapon there. And, uh, you know, it was nice having a guy like that who could make a big play, uh, in the receiving game with Marvin Mims, you know, kind of, uh, having an out of body day, you know, I, I feel like if we, we, we'd probably look at the passing game a lot differently if, uh, he Mims isn't, you know, if, if Mims doesn't have those drops, which were just so out of character, it's very strange. Yeah, Mims catches just one or two of those. <laughs> it, we're looking yeah. at you know a twenty point win hypothetically, uh, and it just looks a lot different. It, OU's able to gain some momentum. It's starting to things are starting to kind of put together. Uh, but since it took so long, one of those touchdowns obviously on the really really cool trick play. The other one was on a coverage bust. It's so if you take that idea and say one one was on a fourth down. You know, mm-hmm. trick play. The other one was on Iowa State just having a mental lapse. I mean, and of course that happens on both sides, uh, but mental lapse and coverage. Then, then you can then you can kind of get the point where maybe if you take a look under the hood and think, ah, oh, well, maybe OU wasn't able to kind of push Iowa State around the same way that uh, it's sometimes being perceived when you win twenty-seven to thirteen. You know, it, it's how do you remove the highs and the lows and find what happened in the middle uh, to to a degree. Yeah. Uh, but moving on to Baylor, we've done that. We've beat Iowa State. Now we're going to move on to, to Baylor. Uh, we'll do some quick little uh, favorites and spreads and stuff. S&P Plus, as, uh, according to just their formula, uh, has has OU as a, uh, a minus two on their two-point favorite. Uh, Beta Rake has Baylor as a touchdown favorite. Uh, Stat of War, who's uh, 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 Parker on a TCU fandom, but he does do some stat stuff, <laughs> and apparently he's picked up a lot of fandom doing it. Has OU basically as a pick'em, uh, and then Vegas in the nebulous Vegas has OU either a, a three or a three point five uh, on the line as a favorite. Have you seen any other sort of uh, lines that have coming out for uh, for OU uh, on the uh, Vegas side of things? Nope, uh, the Vegas. I'm I'm looking at uh, the dashboard right now, and I mean it's essentially three or three and a half up and down the line. So, um, yeah, no, that's that's where they've got it right now. So now that we've gone through uh, maybe where you should or should not put put your 
put your money there. Yeah. Beta ranks does seem to be some the one who's kind of far out there. Now they only use what's happened during season. Does not uh, you know input for injury. So maybe that part's in there for for Baylor to be favored so uh, so highly. Uh, but what are your general thoughts about OU and and the Baylor Bears playing in Norman on ESPN Plus at two p.m. <laughs> Wow. Well, I mean, you know, it's kind of one of those deals. It feels like, uh, in a certain in a certain sense, this is a um, a good matchup for OU. In so far as uh, Baylor, you know, I mean, they they don't have a real dynamic passing game. They're it's it's not exactly like a, a two headed team. Like they they run the ball well enough, they throw the ball well enough, but they don't do either one great. I feel like OU can probably play its four down personnel in this game and uh and have some success and you know that seems to be where they're they're uh doing best right now um you know baylor obviously uh, they have a uh, pretty strong defensive line got a good offensive line too they're they're a sound yeah. team in the trenches but they don't have a whole lot at the skill positions that really concerns me like i think shapen is a nice uh, is i mean he's a solid quarterback um you know uh it's uh holmes right is the uh, receiver uh, Reese is coming on as a running back, but I mean, the, they're good, solid players, but not the kinds of guys that are just like, are going to necessarily strike fear in you, you know? Yeah. Uh, Baylor's leading receivers, Gavin Holmes with a leading yardage with a 447 yards. Uh, Baldwin is second with 333 uh, reception wise. Uh, ben Sims has 26 receptions and Holmes has 23. Uh, yeah, it's not like you said. It's not a like stat-heavy style of offense uh, or just team, just in general. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't have a lot of uh, really thing beyond just Richard Reese is doing doing what uh, well as a running back. Already at uh, 152 attempts at 791 yards, uh, 5.2 yards per carry, and I think they have a freshman who's been uh, Quidlon Jones at 56 carries, 315, 5.6 yards per carry. The team does seem to be a running team or wants to be a running team. Because I just don't think Shapen just has the ability to really kind of get get that ball downfield in a way that I don't know. I mean, th- this team doesn't have a worthy, doesn't have a Xavier Hutchinson, doesn't have a Quentin Johnson type guy that makes you really have to worry about something. Right. And maybe, yeah. may- maybe that's worse. I mean, I don't know. Like if, if it's like you don't know who, who it is, or maybe I, I, you know, sometimes you can say that's the guy they're going to throw to. We know we have to cover that guy. Let's do our best and move forward, but. To me, it just seems like OU's going to OU could very easily just roll out what they did to Iowa State four down. <laughs> we're going to put you know be, get beefy on the line. You're going to you're going to stop the run, and then you know God bless you on the other side of it. We got <laughs> we yeah. got Bowman back. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> it. To me, I think that's just kind of what's going to happen, and it seems to be another potentially frustrating style of game for an OU fan. Now, for an OU fan, you're playing a. a quote unquote worse defense than you did against Iowa State. So you may be able to find a little more purchase, you know, a little more mo- uh, forward momentum there. Uh, but that's that's kind of how I see it kind of very similar to the game we just watched. Maybe that's why I really can't get too generally hyped up about it. I mean, do you think this is just a repeat of last week or, or do you think Baylor offers some different different challenges for OU than, than Iowa State did? Well, I mean, I just think that all and overall, I mean, Baylor's just a better team. If you honest to me, you know, I mean, Iowa State is a is a very very good defensive team, obviously, um, you know, but Baylor isn't that much worse. I mean, I think let's see here, looking at it, uh, Baylor is twenty fourth in defensive S and P plus. I think uh, uh, SP plus. I think Iowa State's around eleventh. I mean. You know, they've also had some, you know, injury issues there with Siaki, Siaki Ika, I believe, is their uh, guy there in the middle who's been mm-hmm. in and out of the lineup, I think, some. Um, but uh, I'm assuming he'll play against OU. Uh, then looking at the uh, the offensive side of the ball, though, I mean, Shapin is, Shapin is, in my opinion, a better quarterback than Deckers. Uh, I mean, Deckers is probably a little bit more of a dual threat runner, uh, but I mean, He's shaping doesn't seem to make the same type of types of mistakes that Deckers is prone to. And we saw how that played out for OU. Um, so yeah, he's got 13 to five uh, touchdown mm-hmm. interception ratio on the season. Um, so, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I worry more about 
Baylor just it feels to me like this is uh uh you know kind of Iowa State uh, plus plus or something like that you know yeah that's I have similar stuff there too and it also it's yeah it, it seems the same way I, I think they're going to try to win the football game how OU is going to try to win the football game <laughs> yeah. you know run the football try to take a shot when it's there and, and see what happens. And I was just kind of, I was going to look really fast. I was like, man, 15 touchdowns does not seem like a lot at, at this point in time in the season. You know, and then Dylan Gabriel sitting there were 14. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, even even OU's offense is just not as productive as it has in the, been in the past. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, we can see that. It is moving the ball pretty well, but it doesn't mean it's, it's, it's prolific, uh, prolific as it has been. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, I think OU just, needs to do what it, it has been doing. I mean, it was stated to me by our uh, uh, Iowa State insider who interviewed, was like, hey, we expect to stop OU's running game. Uh, and it, that should be kind of snuffed out. It's very difficult to run on Iowa State. You and I even talked about it. It was going to be the hard part. Oh, you might, oh, you, hey, I even said, oh, you should probably try to put the pedal to the metal and speed the game up and everything. And OU just decided to run the football down Iowa State's throat. And <laughs> it was, yeah. that's not how I saw that going at all in any way, shape or form. But I could see OU just trying to follow through that similar process. The flip of that being the strength of Iowa State is that secondary, that 3-3-3 coming in play, not knowing where the run fits were coming in. And it's about the strength of this Bailey team being on the defensive side, um, on the defensive line side. So you have a little more strength there on, on the run stopping type stuff. Uh, do we get the Dave Aranda monkey off of OU's back at this point in time. I mean, OU, I mean Brent Venables wasn't able to answer the uh, Kansas State question, but can, <laughs> he, do, can he answer the Dave Aranda, uh, or can Jeff Lebby, I guess, more more specifically, answer the uh, solve the problem that is uh, Dave Aranda in your mind? Well, you know, I mean, Aranda's defense is similar to uh, <clears throat> Iowa State um in that you know i mean he's he's had a look at uh this i mean don't forget you know uh they played Ole miss last year in the in their bowl game cotton bowl i think maybe uh whatever game baylor was in you know and uh i mean really took it really took it to Ole miss defensively they had a pretty good game plan so we'll you know we'll see uh but you know i guess the flip side of that is now jeff levy's had an opportunity to see how uh dave veranda schemes for this defense uh, or offense so um, you know, it, it, that's almost kind of a wash, isn't it? Uh, I look at it though, and I say, and, and I see, I mean, I don't know, I see Oklahoma playing at home. It just seems to me like it's a good opportunity, like you said, to kind of get the Dave Veranda monkey off of uh, OU's back. Now, you know, but it's kind of one of those things too, though, where I mean, Aranda has just proved himself to be a really solid head coach, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, this Baylor team might not be quite living up to at least fans expectations around there, but it's still a really solid group. And they just, it, it's kind of the same thing you get every week in the big 12. Like they're just really well coached. They do a lot of smart things. Um, it's just, they, they make you play a full game and you really, you know, I mean, make too many mistakes and they'll burn you. Yeah. That's something. Yeah. I mean, Dave Aranda, it, it, that's the part that does, I mean, he just must be, dead set, dead locked into Baylor in a way that his agent has told people to never, don't even bother calling us because he's his name. I wouldn't expect Baylor to be a, a place in which can hold, I mean, historically proven that if they have a good head coach, it does not last very long uh, for a bunch of different various reasons. Uh, but Dave Aranda just does not, his name just doesn't seem to be popping up or maybe I'm missing it. Anytime there's an opening, you know, Wisconsin, Nebraska, things of that nature. Uh, you know, LSU was available for you know half of a second to a certain degree, and I know there were some feelers out there, but his name is just does not seem to be getting out there in the same way some of these other coaches are. Do you think that's just because I mean, is he just Mister Baylor at this point in time? Uh, is he just there for the long haul? Yeah, you know, I've actually, I mean, the people I've spoken with in kind of in the industry or what have you, you know, the talk about. I mean, first of all, Baylor has a lot of resources, so I mean, you know. I doubt Aranda is going to be able to, I mean, I think Baylor's going to be able to pay him, uh, you know, in line with just about anybody. So that's, that's kind of, that's, you know, part one of this. 
The second part is, is that I think he's just a super like low key dude. Like, I, I don't think he really wants necessarily to be in a, you know, more kind of a fishbowl type market. I mean, you know, like in LA or, you know, even an Austin maybe, or, you know, I mean, a program that has a lot of media exposure, even like a Texas A&M, uh, you know, he, I think he kind of just likes being kind of uh, flying under the radar there at Baylor. So, I mean, I think that uh, it's the kind of thing where maybe he gets another opportunity at some point to go somewhere closer to home for him. I don't even know where his home is, but uh, I, you know, otherwise um, feels to me like, I, I think, I mean, he seems like Mr. Baylor, you know. Uh, Kern, Cal Kern County, California. Uh, ah, okay. Redlands. Yeah. Redlands, California, right there. Uh, yeah. So I guess if USC opens up, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, and he also has had, I mean, he's been in some of these situations. Yeah, I mean, he was the D.C. at uh, Wisconsin, obviously D.C. Uh, and, you know, associate head coach at uh, LSU. He's been at some of those places. You know, he was LSU is a three years at LSU. I mean, that's how long the coaches usually last. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, could, he probably has seen what these places are and what they can be. So, you know, why bother? I mean, he, he broke in, you know, uh, his coaching career started off in Redlands uh, uh, High School and went Cal Lutheran. Then he was a Texas Tech GA. I mean, he, he really went through the full spectrum of, of everything. And he just seems like he has a really good spot. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, as yeah. we've seen with like Auburn just making its its uh, firing of uh, Brian Harson, there's already rumors of Lane Kiffin coming through and you've got statements from people are using quote unquote statements Glenn Kiffin made about you know the very if I was on the job market right now the very first thing I'd look at is the NIL collective how much money do they have how organized are they and you know Baylor yeah Baylor has resources to pay him but does Baylor have the resources to compete on the recruiting trail to compete that way if he wants to I don't, you know, play at the height of the, the sport. I mean, maybe, maybe that's it. Cause I mean, this is college football. There's maybe what six jobs in which you can compete for the pinnacle of the sport. Uh, you're in and you're out. Uh, that that's kind of, I, I don't, I, without just knowing the guy, I mean, he's talking about the Velveteen rabbit and press conferences and stuff like that. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, who knows? He is kind of a, a strange duck on that side of the thing. Uh, so maybe that's just it. But yeah, he does seem like a, a Mr. Baylor there. And he, he has got them rolling, obviously, pretty well. Defending Big 12 champions. Uh, kind of down their, down their luck a little bit uh, uh, from ex outside expectations. Um, but it does just seem, I don't know. I, I, maybe it's just the weirdness in me. Anytime a, a, a coach does well at the, one of these smaller schools, maybe the immediate thing is, hey, they need to go somewhere else. But I guess, you know, like Luke Fickle, it's like, you got to mm -hmm. go somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, Matt Campbell is a, an example where now you kind of wonder, okay, so is he off, you know, really off the radar at, at, you know, bigger jobs now after the way, you know, last season went for Iowa state and the way things are going for him this year so far, I mean, is his star kind of falling, you know, that type of thing. But again, then again, Iowa state is paying him pretty well. Like, yeah. you know, sometimes it's yeah. like, why mess with happy, you know? Yeah, true. And like, you know, Matt Campbell even had the infamous press conference about the expectations. He's like, what expectations? <laughs> yeah. like that's, that stuff you put on us. We didn't say that. I mean, if that's the way he's living life, then yeah, have fun, yeah. coach a team you want to live where you want to live, get paid millions of dollars to do it. And uh, <laughs> yeah. why not? It's, it's hard to beat that. It's hard to beat it if that's what you want out of it. Uh, so we we were talking about stuff that hasn't has nothing to do with the football game. Uh, we, you know, Billy Bowman had 40 snaps against Iowa State. He seems like he's getting better. He's, you know, he seems like he's uh, that helped strengthen the the secondary, even though it gave up 300 plus yards to a bad quarterback. Uh, you know, in my opinion, a young quarterback. Uh, I think the defense is slowly, gradually improving. It's kind of clawing its way back up. Uh, with that said, how do you see this game going? I mean, what, what's your score prediction? What's what's your flow of the game? I mean. How do you see it going? How do you see it ending? Yeah, I mean, I have a feeling we'll see something very similar to what we kind of saw last week with the OU. I mean, you know, I, I feel like OU is the better team here, but I don't 
see OU coming out uh, super hot or anything like that and just blowing Baylor off the field. I mean, that's not how Baylor uh, oper- has, has played. And really, in a lot of ways, OU hasn't either. Um, you know, to me, this is the kind of game where OU is uh, hopefully kind of nursing a lead there into the fourth quarter and, uh, you know, trying to um, – Again, you know, maybe hopefully playing some better situational football on third and fourth down <laughs> to, yeah. uh, to to short circuit some drives there. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully also maybe, um, you know, finishing drives, you know, to the point where they're not relying on Zach Schmidt necessarily to either uh, kick a field goal <laughs> or run one in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I mean, to me, this – I mean, I see this being a, a tight game and fairly low scoring, you know, something along the lines of like a 27-23 type game for with uh, OU coming out ahead. Yeah, I think that's – I think what we see there is that OU is able to score early. Uh, my hope is that OU is able to score on the opening uh, script uh, and Eric Gray does not fumble. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, because even then, OU was moving really well. And, hey, you know, if I think OU has, has the ability to get out front early – maybe a 10 nothing or something along those lines. And then it's just kind of hold serve at that point in time, maybe trade drives back and forth, but Baylor isn't able to truly threaten um, as this defense is slowly getting better uh, by some of the bright product of playing a lesser offense than TCU and Texas and Kansas State. So yeah. you know, that the, the contextualness of it needs to be there, but OU still playing to a level in which they can compete against bad offenses. Uh, I, I do think it'll be something along those lines. Uh, I think because of that reason, it's more like a 24-13 type of uh, win for Oklahoma. Uh, I just don't see Baylor being able to, I mean, unless there's a bunch of busts, uh, I just don't see Baylor able to really move the ball with any sort of um, consistency of long plays. I mean, if they're it's going to have to be 8 to 10 play drives for them. Uh, mm. You know, can they continue that up? And can, you know, Deshaun White continue his play? Can Billy Bowman be, you know, getting more and more snaps? Can he be a difference maker in the secondary? Things of that nature will be the stuff I'm looking for. But uh, I think I said 24-13. 24-13 my official OU covers. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. the more the gets the important cover, uh, and we go forward that way. Yes. Yeah, so, so what you're saying is play the under, right? Because uh, that's what, 37? I think the total is set at 57 and a half. So, yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's going to be. I mean, because OU's offense itself still. My frustration with the offense can get in its own way fairly easily. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and then Baylor has a good defense, so I think OU will be depressed, and I think Baylor's offense isn't good enough to really, uh, uh, you know, push the edges on uh, on on OU uh, at that point in time. I would go the under. I guess. Uh, uh, did you you had did you have them covering that over? What'd you say? Uh, no, I would no, I would be off by about a. I, I said twenty seven point three. I'd be off by about okay. a touchdown. So I, I would also, yeah. I mean, to me, the under feels like the play here. All right, guys, you heard that. It's not even. That's not even a Patreon plug right there. You're getting the free betting <laughs> advice right there. Hammer OU, hammer the under. Uh, <laughs> uh, one one game I will say you should probably look at the under on is I believe it's Oregon State Washington. Uh, with the atmospheric river that will be uh, the, uh, that's in the forecast of there. That's what the news rep- uh, uh, weather reporter called it on Twitter. An atmospheric river, a torrential downpour will be hitting that area. Uh, so uh, I would probably look at the under on that one, uh, depending on how you think teams play well in a torrential downpour. Uh, looking mm. at a Notre Dame. That's Clemson like a Friday Friday back. night game, right? I think it's I, on I, if if it's Pac-12, it's yeah. Friday night on your Friday toaster. night at ten thirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. on, on your Keurig wireless yeah. setup. Uh, uh, God bless them and their network. Uh, but uh, but moving on to the larger uh, college football. Well, actually, no, let's not do that yet. We've got some press conference stuff to talk about. Brent Venables has his Tuesday press conference and he says some stuff. Uh, <laughs> usually, these things are kind of rote and boring. It's it's uh yeah Jonathan Barnes you know hamstring he's doing good we're hoping to have him you know it's just purely dumb shit to be honest with you but Brent yeah. uh, Bramble's did say a couple of things that are somewhat interesting uh it had me talking a little bit today uh about the recruiting stuff I heard some um some bits and pieces of it uh, Alan seems to have heard 
some other bits and pieces of it. So we're going to come together and, and paint the story here. Uh, the thing that really uh, tickled my fancy was Brent saying, hey, too many teams are already moving on to the next year cycle. Uh, we're going to stay right here and we're going to find these guys. We're going to find the, the you know, the, un the under-recruited guys, the guys that haven't been found, looking at your state level type guys and stuff like that. And while I think that is very commendable, I think I think you should obviously should be doing that when it uh, presents itself. It also makes me a little worried just slightly because I thought OU's first like eight commits were those guys. <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. for a while it was like eight three stars. That's I mean, or you know, I was like, well, it's Eric McCarthy, I think that's his name, uh, McCarthy, uh, the uh, McAllister kid. Uh, you know, I'm I'm biased against him because the only Buffaloes are the Hugo Buffaloes. Mm. Uh, uh, this exact same color scheme too, black and gold. Uh, but those type of guys, you know, it's like, okay, those were your, the depth of the team type of things. You get those, like, you know, try hard three stars to kind of help stuff out. And now, now we're kind of hearing that kind of rebubble up. And it just makes me maybe not worry because OU's got like a top seven recruiting class at this point in time. So it's totally fine. Uh, was OU going to kind of fill this class up with, um, I don't know, like you're, you're getting full up on some negative calories type of stuff or you're just eating, uh, man, what is that vegetable? I, I don't eat veggies. What is it? Uh, it's like a negative ca caloric intake when you eat it. Uh, celery. Oh, celery, like, yeah. Yeah, so you're just, or you're just like filling up on celery right now. That's right, do that stuff. Uh, I don't know. It, you know, you, obviously you don't want to have like a Mac Brown style thing where it's like, oh, we're, 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 we're full up and we figured this out months ago <laughs> type of a thing. You want to keep working. Um, man, but I don't know. It, it's, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'll let you answer. I'll, I'll ask you a question. How do you feel about Brent wanting to continue to, to look under all these rocks and everything like that? I mean, or is there a certain thing of keeping a powder, keeping your powder dry, uh, Mark Cuban uh, uh, famously said about just blowing his team up uh, uh, for next year, like rolling some of these uh, scholarships over for next year. I mean, where you can potentially get some bigger time impact players or something. Or do you think it's important for a team to continually bring in 25 at a time, no matter what? Um, I, I don't I mean, I find, I don't know. I find a lot of times like recruiting philosophy is really weird <laughs> or like strategizing like this really weird because to me, it's just a matter of, Hey, go find some good players, like get good players on your team. I mean, yeah. I think, I think though, when you, you know, I was talking with another uh, blogger um, about this yesterday and uh, you know, it, it, it was a DM. So I'm going to keep his, uh, well, I, his identity secret uh dun, guess dun, what dun. it's a it's a yeah it's a college football writer male uh, anyway uh but you know i was trying to explain you know he asked you know well so kind of what's going on with oklahoma what, when you you know and i said well you know i mean they're transitioning to more of what i would view as like a clemson-ish approach to recruiting uh and you know culture building in terms of more you know wanting something that's God, I hate this term, but more family oriented almost where, Ew. you know, you know, you're not only recruiting the parents fairly hard, but, you know, setting up like kind of a developmental deal where they want you it, you know, they're, they're hoping that, that you're, you'll be there for three or four years, you know, I mean, like, and anyway, long story short, um, <clears throat> that that's the kind of thing that's very relationship driven and very kind of, um, you know, the very, they're very in, going to be very intentional about how they hand out offers, who they recruit, who they push for. And, uh, you know, part of, I think that if you want to go that way, you're going to miss out on some of the guys that are really hot to commit real early. Um, and, you know, the flip side of that is that there'll be guys who you're able to pick up on later in the cycle who other people missed. Um, you know, it's kind of a yin and yang thing to me. So, it, I mean, it, I, I look at this and I, and I think, okay, like, you know, don't forget too. Venables talked uh, in the summer about how he wants guys who are, you know, he wants the last shot is what he was saying, yeah. you know, in terms of, so, you know, if you're waiting later to get guys, bring guys in to, uh, to take a look, get them on campus, um, you know, again, it, it all just kind of fits with how how he he's been operating so far. Um, 
So I, I, I like I said, there's a yin and yang here. And I, I think, you know, so long as it fits with the, the culture that he's, he's building there. I mean, to me, it, it, it makes sense. And, and also being, if you're building more of that relationship style, more of that family style, again, it, it is cringy, but it is that Clemson, that Clemson mm-hmm. thing, you know, you recruit the mom, you recruit the dad, you bring the family atmosphere in, uh, you know, the aunts and uncle, you find the person you're supposed to, you, it's very rarely are you just recruiting the kid, you know, you've got to recruit mm-hmm. everybody else around that kid to kind of get it figured out. And no use trying to do that. I mean, in, in some of these, um, I, I remember when Brent first got there, the, the transfer guys were saying, hey, love Brent Venables, great guy, da, 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 but I'll be committing to this other school. <laughs> like, yeah. He you know, made sure to give Brent shout outs on that stuff and good for the kids too, because you're supposed to keep these, you don't want a, um, it, it's, my favorite analogies, you don't want a Randy Moss situation to happen to you, or it's you burn the state school, you have nowhere to go because you got kicked out of the other school, then you end up at Marshall. Worked out for him, obviously, but yeah. there are some schools, there are some kids who get lost in the shuffle because of their relationships with coaching staffs and things of that nature. Uh, but the thing you didn't mention there is find, you, know, you, you talked about finding kids that maybe somebody passed on or something. There's going to be, there's going to be some of these kids that OU was on who potentially we'll have a chance to get back on again. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I won't say the book is nothing's 100% closed until the paper signed. And even then the, the uh, transferring and stuff like that, it's still very much open, uh, you know, but we're hearing more and more whispers and more and more rumors of, you know, potentially Hicks being somewhat dissatisfied, you know, but Hey, he, he's got a very nice NIL package, you know, awaiting him. Uh, OU is going to offer him a very nice NIL package as well. So it's not like what a team's cheating or not just one who's able to play the NIL. One's got a better NIL package than the other <laughs> at this point in time. I mean, this is how it is. I mean, if, if we've given full player empowerment, fans have to deal with that, <laughs> have to deal with free agency to a certain degree. Uh, and it always has been free agency. Even if you did take the money out of it, you have to think about what, if you were to just purely look at the educational side of it, what schools are better and what schools help you escalate into your career and all that type of stuff. It happens all the time. Uh, but, you know, it, can Brent get, like you said, the last shot? I mean, commit early if you want to, sure. But it is kind of nice to know Brent isn't, I guess, quote unquote, quitting. Uh, and, and maybe that does fall in line with how he kind of talks about not really wanting to offer somebody until you've seen their senior tape and all that type of stuff. I mean, because of that, offers may come out late, quote unquote, late to some some of these guys, but you do know it, that oh, you offer then is going to mean something at that point in time. Yeah, and that's kind of the. I mean, Venables is working to create a very different kind of culture or brand in the sense of you know, the stuff like, Hey, we are, you know, I've tried to explain this when people talk about the whole policy about not no visit policy. Like I agree. Like it, it, it seems kind of, it seems kind of silly, but the, the point is, is like, there's two sides to it, you know? And what he's saying is we're not going to recruit over you. If you get a scholarship offer from us, it is committable. If you want to take it right there, you've got a spot in the class. Uh, not every coach is going to operate that way. You know, there have been plenty of stories about, you know, from Alabama in the past about, you know, kids all ready to sign on National Signing Day with Alabama getting a call like, up. Oh, well, uh, you know, <laughs> your offer is no is no longer good here because we found somebody else we like better. You know, that's just, that's not going to happen at OU. So, you know, you have to keep all this stuff in mind that it's it's about, it's it, it they're playing they're playing the game at just a different way than alabama or you know usc which is clearly i mean the way that lincoln Riley's kind of sets stuff up i mean very transactional in the sense of you know i mean willing to recruit over guys and that type of stuff with the the transfer portal it it you know i mean different things can work i'm just saying like this is this fits venables i it seems like in terms of what he wants to do and what works best for him in as in terms of setting up a program long for the long term. So that's the side of it that I saw Brent saying not wanting to qu- not quitting, not quote unquote quitting. I mean, not 
continue to recruit through the 23 cycle uh, and rolling into that and kind of claiming, hey, other schools have already moved on to the 24 and they believe schools are doing that a little too soon. Uh, Alan um, uh, was able to pick up some stuff from some uh, maybe not so veiled, veiled barbs at a future uh, SEC uh, <laughs> a, <laughs> a, a, a classmate to a certain degree. Walk me through what you saw there, because I'm going through what Eric Bailey's tweeting out about this stuff, and he, you know, I haven't had a chance to really sit down and listen to the full thing. And he, he, he like, you're, you're getting like one tweet per five minutes or something, so it's trying to piece mm-hmm. it together. Uh, what did you hear, and what, and what, how are you processing that as, as maybe a shot being taken uh, in this recruiting landscape? Well, I mean, I believe it was either earlier this week or recently you know, talking about uh, Jimbo Fisher, you know, has been, you know, kind of point out, you know, like, you know, when recruiting against a team like Alabama, you know, he'll say, well, you know, you might not get to play there very, very, uh, very soon. You know, you'll probably have to wait your turn or, uh, you know, they're, they're too good. That type of thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, okay. I did see this. Yeah. Right. And like, I mean, Venables didn't um, specifically, name fisher or anything like that but you know he's you know he says uh everybody's got their own recruiting pitch recruit against alabama i don't think it's why would you want to go there because they win all the time i don't think that's it maybe it's hey man we need you to play today you might have to wait but if i'm alabama the way we want to be is you want to be so good when you get to that practice field every day that you have no other option to improve so i, I mean it, of course, it's kind of like, you know, these answers from Venables, which tend to go many different directions. But the point is, you don't just kind of say, you don't just kind of concede like, oh, man, uh, you know, Alabama, why would you want to go there? Because, you know, you won't get on the field. It's more like, I think the the answer is, well, I want to go there because I want to go play in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, you want you want something along those lines, like you want to be you want to you need a an affirmative message you know what i mean like as opposed to saying uh you know as opposed to point out a problem with one decision give it give somebody you know a reason to commit to you yeah uh welcome to uh the american politics of 2022 (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, so that does lead into my next point of some of the statements that venable has been saying and i understand i want to preface this by saying i understand what he's saying basically mentioning that uh, we're pivoting to a new talking point that Alan was able to segue nice into us uh, subconsciously or unknowingly uh, talking about how maybe there's some disrespect within the locker room when he first got there about what it takes to win to win football games you know it's maybe no nonchalance things of that nature uh, and was still kind of talking to the he's, he's mentioned this a, few, a couple of weeks in a row after a win winning football games is hard uh, the, the, the one coach that really sticks in mind who said that a lot was Tom Herman, and that did not work out well for him. Uh, and I don't like it. And again, Alan, you can walk me off the cliff on this or pull me back from the cliff or just let me keep walking off of it. Uh, I just don't like it when the head coach of these winning programs say these things. When you say winning is hard, things of that nature, because it makes it seem like you should should you know don't take for granted it's okay that we lost because winning's hard we're just cheering for you know cheer for the team you know cheer for the home team type of situation and in reality the thing that should be hard at the university of oklahoma is being a scholarship athlete at the university of oklahoma that should be the hard thing and then winning is a byproduct of being good enough to be a you know a scholarship athlete at the university of oklahoma that's what i truly believe in it should be hard to start at the university of oklahoma kind of like the alabama thing yeah, you may not play, but you're going to get, but if you get good enough to play, you're probably going to the NFL because you've been able to weed out and, and you know, climb up, you know, climb up and have your chance and uh, be, you know, iron against iron, you know, type of a situation. To me, that's how OU football culture needs to be, should be when it, OU football is at its top at the pinnacle of college football. That's what it is. It's never a winning is hard. It's being on this team is hard. <laughs> There's a lot of good players, <laughs> and it's hard to get. It's hard to get a scholarship here. It's hard to sit down. Uh, I, I think that is the what Brent is saying, but it's it's how he says it, or maybe I don't know. Because like Tom would always kind of use it. Tom Herman, that's at Tech, University of Texas, would always kind of use it as like an, almost like an excuse, like, "Hey, yeah, I know we lost four games, but man, we 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 won seven or whatever. We won eight, and winning's real hard." And and I know it's 
if you know OU is already at three and you know already at three losses, potentially looking at a few more down the line. Uh, I, I don't want to hear winning's hard. I want to hear losing's unacceptable. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's hard to say when you're the head coach because if you say losing's unacceptable, well, who's who's to be held accountable to, for that? <laughs> you know, hot guy dressed in a hot dog suit. <laughs> hey, we're trying to find out well, what's happening here. Uh, am I wrong in in perceiving it in that manner as a fan when I when I hear those those words? Or, I mean, maybe not wrong, but am I potentially misguided in something like that? I mean, I, I can understand the reality of changing the, the top of the staff, losing a lot of the major playmakers and things of that nature. Uh, but is is the pub does a public message need to change or something like that? Or do I need to sit down and be patient? Yeah, this feels like kind of a, a, a like a touch grass moment to me. Like yeah. in the sense that, like, I get it. I trust me. I, yeah, you the the association is with Tom Herman sitting up there trying to explain away a game that Texas, a, a program like Texas, has no business ever losing. I, that part I get, you know. Um, but I don't know. I mean, to me, like winning winning is hard. Means like you need like is like telling telling the players like you need to expect you know, i mean to work hard you need to dedicate yourself to winning or to improving i mean that, i i hear it more as a message to the team in terms of you know you, you, playing for this team is going to be hard making making the first team you've got to outwork everybody you've got to be better you got to perform better you've got to be more reliable um i don't i i guess i don't hear like oh gosh, we're so lucky to have won. It's more like we want it to be hard on you to succeed here or you need, or not hard on you. We want you to, you need to work hard to succeed here. You need to accept that it's going to be more challenging than simply uh, showing up, you know? I mean, and I mean, when you start looking at the things that he's talking about, I think in that context, I mean, stuff that I'm hearing is stuff like, you know, the amount of time you spend on your own watching film or the amount of time you dedicate, uh, you know, in, in the weight room, that type of thing. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I don't know, you know, I'm not there every day. So mm -hmm. how, how have I know, but I mean, like, <laughs> I get the impression last year that that team, you know, the, the team that he picked up and inherited, like, there was certain definitely a casualness to the way they approach yeah. things. So, I mean, you hear stuff about, you know, I mean, gosh, the, the stuff about like Perry on Winfrey, you know, uh, that type of thing uh, in terms of his daily habits and, you know, uh, dedication maybe, or you know, focus, that type of thing. I, that's to me where, what I hear when Venable says Wayne is hard because I mean, he's saying this sometimes after, you know, he, he's talking a lot about what he expects or wants out of the team. Um, if he if he was if he were out there, I mean, saying you know that after OU lost to Kansas or some shit, I mean, then I'd be like, okay, yada yada, man. No, that, that doesn't fly. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this is a different. To me, it's a different thing. And that's what I'm saying. That's why I preface it with I understood what he was saying. <laughs> that right. I mean, you being pick a player in the University of Oklahoma, that's the hard part when you know being able to win at the university is hard because it's hard just to be on the team you know it's, right you know if we really want to spin into it and i really want to be the the villain of this podcast it's kind of what kevin durant was thinking when he went to golden state being like i want to be the best player on the best team that mm -hmm. is how i can prove i am better you know it's, it's not yeah. necessarily beat it's like i will go there and completely unseat Steph Curry, yeah, actually, you know, it's yeah. like, I will, you know, I'm, and that's one of the reasons why people get confused. Like why, you know, there's a lot of college football fandom thinking, why would you keep going to Alabama? Why would you keep going to Georgia? You're not mm. going to play, but it's, it's this Newman. It's not this, it's, it's a different type of mentality that we have gravitated towards of I'm going to go there and I'm going to prove my worth against people, against talented peers. I'm not just going to go somewhere else where I can start immediately. You do that once you have your one free transfer. <laughs> once mm -hmm. it didn't, doesn't work out, then you go get you secure the starting position uh, because right. you need to have a chance to make money at some point in time. But before that, I do think there is something of you know ironing sharper and iron and saying things of that nature. And 
you know what, I'm happy that OU is moving into that direction. It does seem like it wants to be in that direction. And you can see that just by the rotating cast of, of captains in the secondary. There's different guys playing every single week, it seems like. I mean, the defensive line, there's been a, you know, a massive rotation of these guys getting different snap counts every single week. You can see that there is a, a level of competition or uh, you know, engagement and dedication that doesn't seem to be born directly out of desperation as it did seem a few years for for University well, of Oklahoma. Well, and I, I mean, to me, this kind of also fits, though, with what I was talking about last week and what I've written about before about Venables inheriting the team and making that his own. Um, and I mean, I think, like, if you took it, you know, I mean, you know, kind of saying to the players who he's inheriting, like, you know, you guys weren't putting in the effort maybe, or you guys weren't focused. You weren't intentional enough about what you were doing. Like, and again, I mean, having watched last year, all of last season, you kind of understand maybe where he's coming from because that was not a team that looked focused. That was not a team that looked like over-prepared. It was a team that looked like had a lot of really good players on it. And uh, they were kind of rolling, rolling, just kind of rolling it out there and expecting to win. Um, and I, I really hate playing amateur psychologists that way. But I mean, I, you know, if you're talking about trying to teach, you know, inheriting a group and trying to unlearn some some habits or attitudes, that type of thing, that part of it makes sense to me. Like, you know, you guys, it's harder than this. Like, you know, you guys didn't you guys didn't get to where you wanted to go probably last year because, you know, winning really is hard and maybe you weren't ready, ready to put in that effort or that level of focus or intentionality. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, there's a bunch of different studies and stuff. Uh, I don't know if you can actually hear my dog, Arlo's clawing at the door, <laughs> trying to get in. Uh, you know, there's, there's different sort of, you know, studies and stuff that it's about 20 days to learn a habit, about 60 days to learn a lifestyle and for that thing to become a lifestyle like this is just something you do no matter what. And then there's differences between habits being contextual and habits being, uh, I forgot the other word I'm doing, but it's like, let, let's say uh, at 6.30 a.m. you always go on a walk. You know, mm -hmm. it has to happen at 6.30, but if something happens and then at 6.30 you're not able to do it and then you say, well, I guess I can't walk today. That's a contextual thing of I am free at 6.30 in the morning to go on said walk. Then it transforms into no matter what, I'm going to make time to then go on my walk. You know, same thing. It's, but to unlearn something and then relearn something else, that just takes so much more time. You know, and, and then you have what 85, 100 different people who all have to go through that same process together. It's it's just going to be a long time to do that full uh, corporate mumbo jumbo corp culture mm -hmm. <laughs> stuff you know it, that's the hard part of it uh alan and i just went on a really big rant about a bunch of other stuff that may have been interesting to listen to mm -hmm. uh, but something that is uh potentially a lot easier to digest is that the college football playoff rankings came out tonight uh, on tuesday with a, a number one team in the nation one i did not expect um tennessee uh overall number one ohio state number two georgia number three and then who was number four I have it right uh, in front of me. Four, well, uh, uh, four. Clemson. Four, Clemson, yeah. Clemson, because then it's uh, Michigan, Alabama, T and then TCU rounding out the top seven. Uh, I am actually going to say the the major talking point on the Twitter machine right now on uh, is TCU is being snubbed, and it's because they don't have the brand on the side of their helmet, yada, 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 yada. My... I don't do not care about that. I don't think that's necessarily true. TC has a bad defense. I think I think the, the committee is looking at that. To me, the team who's actually getting snubbed, who's in that top seven, and don't laugh at me, <laughs> is the University of Georgia. Uh, because if you actually have Oregon sitting at number eight, uh, Georgia beat them by 46 points. <laughs> if that matters, then Georgia's number one. I, I don't care. I mean, there's a bit beating Alabama is such a narrative driven it's like you've slayed the dragon to a certain degree so Tennessee's earned it from that perspective but if you've allowed Oregon to crawl all the way back up to number eight then you've got to put Georgia at number one at that point in time because they 
they they were playing a different sport that day. <laughs> uh, and th to me, that's the one who's at, and that's kind of weird to say the defending champion is, is not getting their direct uh, press clippings. And maybe, you know, I, I bet to hell Kirby Smart's probably jumping for joy <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, about this, you know, perceived slight. Uh, the playoff has nothing to do with Oklahoma. The playoff rankings have nothing to do with Oklahoma this year. But just like the changing of the leaves, we have to cover this because now at the bottom of the bottom of the scoreboard, we're now we're now going to have the playoff rankings of the AP rankings. Uh, is there anything from a larger college football perspective that you saw in this opening one other than three of these top five four teams probably won't be in it uh, <laughs> uh, that kind of stood out to you? No, I mean uh, these things are so silly uh, because they they don't matter. Uh, it's really all just about having a TV product to put out once a week that they know people will be interested in. The only one that is going to matter is the one that uh, comes out the very on the very last uh, CFP rankings. So, yep. like you, everybody, everybody has these. Dear God, man, I listened to Heather Dinich talk today on SiriusXM <laughs> and go on on and talk about all these different things that I can guarantee you, man, don't mean shit. The only thing that they're looking at really at the end of the day, they've got a, a few different metrics that they, they, you know, that are important to them. They want to know, you know, I mean, it helps to win a lot of games. That's number one. Easy. It helps yeah. even more not to lose yes. <laughs> many games. Yes. Then, you know, you start looking, then you start going down the uh, list. Well, you know, you need to have a good schedule and their schedule metric is some, is, is just a silly kind of like aggregate one loss thing of your opponents. It's in your opponent's opponents. It's, it's nonsense. You know, they want to see <laughs> like, like it, it, I mean, it's basically set up, but like, if you look at how it's set up, I mean, the logic of it is that it's going to favor the power conference teams because they're going to be the ones that are, you know, I mean, you know, for example, look at the Big 12, right? Yes. Like, and then compare that to, say, the Mountain West. Well, Mountain West teams, a lot of them are taking paycheck games, right? <laughs> so they're going out there. Not, their records are all going to be really poor. So their strength of schedule, uh, you know, as a whole is going gonna, is gonna to go down. Whereas the Big 12 teams are all winning those games. So if you're playing playing Big 12, you know, and – teams like kansas state are beating mizzou and they're beating you know fcs team or whatever i mean it's it's very easy to kind of game the system that way uh, or it's not really even gaming the system it's just kind of setting it up so that it'll favor one one way to do this long story short man like just just win all your games and you'll be all you should be all right like there's all all the other stuff man like oh so-and-so's defense isn't that good or so-and-so you know i mean they've been they they haven't been sharp in the past that none of that matters <laughs> just put that out of your head you know it, it's good it is good to kick ass that they they clearly do reward teams for doing that but the rest of it man like just forget it because it's really actually very simple at the end of the day yeah that's uh it's the same as it always was <laughs> Yeah, like be from a power conference and then win all your football games i mean that's you know that's there's only a, a handful of times i'm not a college football historian that the national champion has had two losses <laughs> i know? think it's like one i think yeah. it's once the lsu <laughs> uh, that's it yeah. that's so it's like win or just lose one time like, that's it the rest of it takes care of itself but you I mean you're right i mean just i mean you know i was watching you know watching bill conley's timeline him saying like let's see how they see like he's he was interested in to see how they how the committee treated ou because i mean sorry tcu because he's like in my metrics the big 12 is easily the second best conference easily it's like sec big 12 and then a gap and then the rest of the it's like they are them uh but because they've got they've cannibalized each other and things of that there's a bunch of five and three teams it's like well if you only do straight win loss aggregates then yeah, the Big 12 isn't as impactful. You know, surviving that gauntlet isn't as impactful as the other stuff, you know? So that, you see some, like you said, there's some baked in numbers 
that can allow that to happen. And and TCU, I mean, look at their schedule right now. Colorado was their was their Power Five non conference game. Mm-hmm. They had an FCS team in there, Tarleton State. I don't even I haven't followed what Tarleton State's doing, but I know that that doesn't help. That that's going to <laughs> that's going to hurt. And they've 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 had they haven't. You know, a, a long time ago they used this phrase "game control." Yes, uh, up there. TCU's game control has actually been fairly poor when you start looking at, I mean, you know, they were down going into the second half against Kansas state. They had to, they took, they had to win an overtime against Oklahoma state. Um, you know, they, it, yeah, they kicked OU's ass, but I mean, they've, they've had some, some, you know, kind of stumbles there and they've got plenty of meat left on the bone with Texas uh, still on the schedule. So like, and they'll also have the big 12 championship. Like, TCU, if they keep winning, they'll be fine. It like all this stuff is just it's just nonsense, man. It's just it's just people talking about it's like it's like looking at, at ink blots, man, like Rorschach tests. Like you can pick out some kind of pattern or whatever you see there, but you whatever something you intuit. Nah, man, just wait and watch once you have all the results at the end of the year, it, like it's fairly predictable. Yeah, I was actually kind of having that same uh you kind of mentioned you teed me up before we started recruiting i'm sorry recording about recruiting because you saw that i was talking about it and and, and uh, uh the red dirt sport please follow him on patreon patreon uh, backslash red dirt sport uh about recruiting but i was also doing the same thing of saying because they're like okay we who do we have to cheer for can't stay or texas because there's an outside chance oh you can make the big th-. i'm like no <laughs> just yeah cheer for OU to win hope they recruit really well yeah remove the idea of five different things happening so oh you can play for a big 12 championship it's the boat has sailed if some if it falls into OU's lap like the year like what was that the paul thompson year or mm-hmm. beat like if something like that happens enjoy it but don't live your right. life thinking okay kansas state and texas are playing like i pay attention because i need texas to beat it and it's like yeah. like you don't need to be doing advanced algebra to enjoy your yeah. college football <laughs> yeah just enjoy it <laughs> I mean, like, you know, there's, and there's a part of it that kind of makes that whole thing fun. Like it does, if you're, if you're hoping your team gets in, you are kind of watching like, cause for example, if you're TCU right now, you'd really like to see Michigan lose, uh, lose a game before they play Ohio state, you know, just to make sure that they're out of there. It's that kind of type thing that does kind of, you know, you, you get end up getting connectivity and links that way, but the rest of it, man, like, it it's it's all like all the stuff about oh they don't pay they you know they give the sec all this respect or well they i mean they've kind of rigged a formula up here to so that yeah they will respect the sec yeah Uh, yeah yeah. like what i don't i mean the whole thing is just it's it's very nonsensical and whatever kind of explanations they have yeah they're gonna uh they're going to you know um contradict themselves because hell they're ranking 25 football teams that don't play the same schedules like it's just ridiculous and if you're a tcu fan who's for some reason listening to an ou fan podcast you should be cheering for oklahoma (laughs) to win a (laughs) lot of games because it looks better that you beat a good you you know firebombed potentially nine and three teams so it Mm -hmm. that part of it i guess yeah there is it becomes it becomes fancy football to a certain degree uh, at that point in time because you're if this happens then it happens you have your uh, uh, Goldberg machine or whatever it's called oh. kind of thing bouncing around. But if you're a fan of University of Oklahoma, you should be uh, hoping that Brent can find some late stars and maybe you can get a couple flips and they just keep winning as many games as they can. <laughs> right. Other than yeah. that, and then start start building up the hope machine once again for 2023 <laughs> <laughs> uh and, and you know see where we're going there at that point in time uh this has been a kind of a nice feisty uh podcast <laughs> I, uh, we didn't really talk a ton about oklahoma we talked a ton about uh uh what we think about college football uh i, I enjoyed it uh is there anything that i may have missed or anything else you want to talk about no not really just looking forward to the weekend man sweet well uh for myself and for Alan, it's been another episode of Through the Keyhole, an OU Fan Podcast. Remember, uh, please subscribe to us, like and rate on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Google Podcast, uh, 
Maybe we're on Audible. I'm not for sure. This goes on SoundCloud and everything <laughs> else picks it up. So Stitcher, uh, go anywhere. And if you really like uh, our rants and raves, uh, come to Patreon. If you've lasted this far, give us money. I mean, really, we've given you an hour and a half of, of content. Uh, come, come join. We have tons of podcasts up a week. I say tons, four usually-ish uh, about stuff. Get some betting advice, get some life advice, get some uh, get some look-ins from some uh, the outside perspective. Um, I, I believe Alan has someone from uh, the Baylor side of yeah. things. Yeah, uh, Shahin Jejera. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry about how I pronounce his last name there. I, I've always wanted to ask him. I guess I'll find out tomorrow when I speak with him. <laughs> uh, he proceed from CBS Sports, who uh, follows Baylor pretty closely. So I'll be uh, checking in with him to preview uh, OU versus the Bears. And that will be behind their paywall. So, I mean, hey, if you want to listen to that, it's four bucks. It's it's not, not a killer. Uh, it's less than a cup of coffee now. Uh, you know, thanks inflation, thanks supply chain issues. Uh, but without anything else, uh, I am Peyton Guthrie. That's Alan Kenny and Boomer. Sooner, we did it. We've done it. As always, hit stuff.